Hi, I'm Matthew Kind. Every Monday, look for a fresh new episode where I'll take you behind the scenes and interview the insiders that are shaping the rapidly evolving cannabis industry. Learn more at cannainsider.com. That's C-A-N-N-A insider.com. Now here's your program. How can cannabis retail environments quickly adapt to the new post-pandemic environment and create customer comfort? Here to help me answer this question is Matt Coutone, CEO of Seed Displace. Matt, welcome back to Canna Insider. Hey, thanks for having me back, Matt. Appreciate it. Give us a sense of geography. Where are you in the world today? So I'm in South Orange County, San Clemente, California, so almost directly between uh, Los Angeles and San Diego. Okay. And I am in Chicago today. And oh, Matt, wow. Matt, what is Seed on a high level? So Seed is a software for cannabis retailers, specifically within the store. Um, what we do is we help enable uh, all the customer-facing screens and technology, whether that's you know interactive uh, menus on tablets or kiosks that provide uh, cannabis education and self-service order. Uh, we recently started helping our customers and prospects with uh, their digital menus. Our vision really is to help dispensary operators with safe access and successful consumption of cannabis with their customers and, and that translating into a more profitable operation. Okay. These are really helpful. I've seen some of these uh, displays and kiosks and messaging and it's just it's just amazing how far they've come. I, I would say like in different industries I've interacted with screens and kiosks that just have not been helpful, but just I would say in the last few years, it seems like, wow, it's really, that's really crossed over into just a totally different experience. Yeah. I want to get more into that, but let's first talk about what you're seeing right now and how cannabis retailers have been impacted by the pandemic and also now uh, riots and looting. Yeah, right. Exactly. So... I mean, certainly crazy times, right? And 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 what continue to be uncertain. Um, we're still trying to figure this out and, and help our our customers, our clients, kind of navigate this and etc. Um, you know what we're finding is is that uh, you know the good news, I guess, to a degree, as as you know, several months ago when we started to experience a shutdown, you know, uh, globally, not just on a national level, is that cannabis was deemed essential, right? So kind of an interesting. Um, scenario based on the fact that we're not, you know, cannabis is not considered legal on a federal level, but it was deemed essential uh, during, uh, you know, the shutdowns and during, you know, COVID here. And, um, you know, so uh, great because obviously uh, being deemed essential, we're, you know, cannabis being viewed as, as medicine, is what, and that's a lot of what we want. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, they had to adapt in a, in a lot of ways in how they service their customers and how they handle transactions. Um, you know, with seed specifically, you know, our, our first, you know, um, you know, initiative was to reach out to all of our existing customers and let them know that we're here to help in any way we can. Give them general guidance on, um, you know, uh, sanitate, you know, how to sanitize and maintain um, these the technology in, in, in a, a way that uh, you know customers and their staff could you know interact with the screens uh, comfortably. Um, and, but more importantly, you know. Um, and one of the nice things I think about this industry as a whole is very 
you know, kind of collegial where, you know, everybody is very community-based and looks out for each other. So we reached out to everybody and just said, how can we help? We're here to help in any way we can. Perspective clients we backed off of. Um, you know, we knew not many people were looking to make any sort of changes and et cetera, but um, it's still uncertain times. Um, and we're all kind of collectively navigating this and trying to understand what the new norm is going to be. Um, and we're slowly starting to move out of that, but uh, um, certainly uh, still um, impact and, and still trying to figure out ways that we're going to successfully adapt. Okay. So how has some of the messaging changed from a retailer to, you know, in terms of social distancing or curbside pickup or what they're putting on their displays? So a, a combination of things. So, you know, like I said, in, you know, previously is, you know, how do you operate differently? How do you support your customers? How do you successfully, um, help your customers select the appropriate products and how do you handle transactions differently. You know, now that the stores are starting to open up and individuals are allowed to go back in, uh, interact with uh, staff and et cetera, um, you know, you know, where things are improving, but for a while, uh, you know, as mentioned, you know, curbside pickup was something that, uh, didn't really exist in a lot of ways. Um, one of our strategic partners, iHeart technology, um, or iHeart Jane, excuse me, they, um, you know, have helped a lot of their, uh, clients and their customers, uh, adapt very, very quickly in, in uh, enabling them for curbside pickup and et cetera. Um, now, as far as social distancing and et cetera, one of the things that we've noticed, you know, specifically, and I think there's a lot to learn from the mature industries. I always talk about this when, you know, retailers are trying to understand how to provide a successful customer experience and, you know, and create a store layout or a customer flow, you know, look to the mature industries, look to, um, you know, who's been doing this for quick serve restaurants, even Target, et cetera. Uh, the entities that have uh, a lot more resources and a lot more experience. And so, um, you know, social distancing is now something that is um, being uh, successfully executed through uh, communication, right? So whether it's markers or signals or X's on the floor and et cetera, for us, uh, the nice thing about our kiosks is that it almost, you know, facilitates social distancing in a way where you can separate the kiosks in, you know, six feet. Um, you can have someone on your staff queuing up individuals, one, showing the individuals, showing the customers that you've cleaned the the, the kiosk, you've cleaned the, the device and that it's safe and it's ready for you. And then, you know, pointing and saying, here you go. Um, again, I, I, you know, I, I think Target's done this really, really well. Um, queuing th people through self-service, getting them introduced to self-service. Uh, there's now this kind of element of um, concern around human-to-human -human interaction and that technology can, you know, help um, address this this concern, um, but it, there's kind of this marriage between analog and digital, right? So you have to have the staff there queuing up people, communicating with people, making it obvious what they should do. Fortunately, after a little while, I think the customers, it's a little bit of a monkey see, monkey do. They see you know, how they're supposed to go about it. They get comfortable with it. And the next time back, they 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 do it comfortably and successfully. So um, it's, it's important that the retailer is, again, you know, deliberate, in, their, in the way that they communicate um, to, to their customers, but also at the same time, um, you know, setting up your store flow, separating, you know, the self-service, maybe having to, you know, eliminate a self-service device um, between uh, the different kiosks and et cetera, um, so that people can comfortably, you know, complete their transactions and et cetera. When you think about the flow of a dispensary pre-COVID and then post-COVID, what what comes to mind is how how a dispensary retail environment should flow, how that should feel, how that sure. should look. 
I think for starters, what we talk to about our clients is for starters, what is the brand experience that you're trying to um, um, communicate and convey? What do you want your customers to feel as they come in and interact with your staff and purchase your products and, and when they leave? Um, and I think that falls into really two different buckets, right? So you still have your emerging and mature markets, and we can even simply call it medical versus you know uh, recreational use. And so you know if it's a medical or an emerging market, you might want to um, you know create a customer flow that is much like a doctor's office. And that's something that's important to you. And that's going to involve a very formal check-in process. It's going to probably have a waiting room. And you're going to be, um, you know, you're, you know, it's like your name is get, gets called and you're allowed into the retail area. And, you know, it might be interacting with staff, um, you know, quite um, – you know, quite significantly, um, and that might be important to your brand. That might be important to what kind of a customer experience you're you're trying to uh, convey. In a more recreational environment, it should be like traditional retail. Um, so there's a less formal check-in process. You're inside the store. You can walk throughout it and interact with the staff, interact with the different technology. You can interact with the different products in a much more traditional way. Um, I think what's most important um, is that you maintain flexibility. And what we have learned, you know, over this past year is that flexibility becomes very, very important to customer flow. Um, you know, we're still uh, a young, young industry. We're still learning a lot. Um, there's all kinds of new customers and products still being introduced. And so having flexibility, and what I mean by that, an example of something that when I when I say maintain flexibility and be nimble is when when a customer of ours purchases floor standing kiosks, so we, we always say, don't bolt them down to the floor. Because at some point, you may want to change the customer flow. You may want to highlight certain products. You may want to um, move them. For an example, you know, during COVID, we had a, a client here in Hollywood, and they moved all their kiosks to the front of the store. And it was a great way for them to address this new issue, these new challenges, as well as facilitate social distancing. So it was great. They just like can pick them up and move them and, and they separated them by six to eight feet. And, and now they're kind of, um, you know, uh, you know, flexible to what this new challenges are. So I always say maintain some flexibility. You know, things are going to change. You're going to learn new things and you're going to want to, you know, change the customer flow. And I think that's what's most important. So curbside has been a huge thing because it allows people that are uncomfortable with going into a dispensary to stay in their car uh, where they might not have gone if they didn't have that option. But it also continues to let revenue flow into uh, a retail store. But not all curbside is done equally. Like if you, sometimes it's a great experience, but then the owner of a dispensary might not have the resources to properly educate the staff or they might be helping a customer and not see that there's a curbside order now that needs to be fulfilled. How do you mitigate that and assign roles and message it properly so the flow, back to the flow, uh, can make it a win-win for both customers and the owner of the dispensary? You know, so that's a great question. And, and um, you know, just to be clear, we don't facilitate curbside. This is something we look, we're looking at today. We, you know, it's something on, that's on our pro, product roadmap for 2020 and, you know, potentially handheld tablets where there's actually a card swipe and et cetera. And so, again, helping to facilitate, you know, transactions and, um, you know, customer uh, activity outside of the store. Um, but, you know, for starters, it, it's great that, you know, again, the you know cannabis dispensaries were deemed essential so they could continue to operate and support their customers and get them their medicine and the things that they needed throughout this you know very stressful time 
Um, you know, but uh, adapting to it was it's again you very unique on a state by state or a market by market basis. Um, you, you know, you say you, you mentioned resources. Do they have the right resources? Do they have the right tools? Do they have the right technology? Um, do they have the right processes in place? I've seen examples of where you know uh, dispensary just set up card tables. Um, they had like these pop up tents and they had these banners that were just kind of printed up. You know, I, I know you know in certain cities. You know, you're in Chicago. I'm originally you know from Boston, and so you know there's certain um, you know dispensary in certain neighborhoods they're just it's you know there's there's traffic and there's you no know, parking and it's hard to pull up and curbside's not easy um, I think it's been a real challenge I think it's great that the municipalities and the certain cities have allowed for this um, I think there's a lot of learning that's still going to happen um, I, I don't know if it's going to be fully sustainable I, I, I hope it is um, you know while yes we facilitate transactions and support our clients inside of the store but we want them to be successful no matter what that transaction looks like. Um, so curbside is something that I think is uh, provided some convenience for certain kinds of customers. I think it's something that if they can uh, maintain, we'll see. You know, I think when we're fully op- opened up and running like we normally had been previous to COVID, um, I, you know, we'll see if the cities allow for this. Uh, I'll be surprised if they do. Certain markets are very conservative, um, but it's been, it's been good that they've allowed for this for now. I think some some uh, dispensaries have done a really, really good job. And I think there's others that have just been you know, challenged. They didn't have the technology in place. They didn't have the processes in place and they really didn't know how to fulfill. And so it's, it's been, you know, I think a pretty steep learning curve for these folks. Um, but, uh, you know, I think there's still still some, th- some things to be figured out and some things that are still quite uncertain as it relates to that. What about for people that are in line Kind of like if you go to a fast food restaurant like Chick-fil-A, let's say, and they have people out on tablets that are kind of pre, you know, getting one part of the order started, maybe your name, and then you move on. And then they, they add some, they add some other things as you move along the line. How does that, how does that work and how can that facilitate order? So this is one of the things that we're looking at, right? So our hardware partner, a company by the name of Elo is uh, launching some handheld tablets with card swipes for this uh, summer. Um, you know, we expect to get that hardware in hand to our product development team shortly, and so we can start to understand. Um, you know, again, how do we support our our dispensary clients and enable transactions and really transactional velocity? If you think about you know what you're talking about, Chick Fil A. Uh, in and out Burger, et cetera, you know, those are quick serve restaurants that are, you know, what they're trying to do is it, it, one of the examples I always use is that when we go to a restaurant, it's quite busy and, you know, the waiter or the waitress um, gets you a drink. Um, at least you feel somewhat satisfied. You've got a menu in hand. You feel like you're moving in the right direction. But when you're sitting there and you're, you're there's no correspondence happening and you're not, there's no service happening and you kind of feel a little bit lost and, you know, and do they even notice that I'm here, um, et cetera. Um, but when you, you know, you have the handheld devices and staff outside of the store that are taking orders and et cetera, I, you know, one, you're increasing transactional velocity, you're servicing more customers in a, in a, in a, in a you know, more expedited way, which is important for the profitability of the business. Um, but, you know, nobody likes standing in line. I don't care who you are. Um, 
and, and there's nothing enjoyable about it. And that's one of the big reasons why, you know, we've really, you know, uh, heavily invested and in, in really focused on self-service ordering. Uh, I think that, you know, again, this is playing out significantly in mature industries and quick serve restaurants and people are becoming accustomed to it. You know, if you go to the airport, yeah, we've been printing our own tickets for a while, but now we're bagging our own luggage. Um, hmm. You know, that that whole operation, that whole process has been pushed to the other side of the counter. Um, and I think it's great. To be perfectly honest, I think it's harder and harder to be profitable in any industry and in any business. And the more that you can put it in the hand of the customer in a, in a comfortable way, the better. You know, Southwest does a great job of it. Now, they got a couple of people that man could be 12 kiosks and then we're actually printing out our, our baggage tickets and and, <laughs> and and sticking them on our luggage ourselves we never yeah. would have thought that that would happen but it's happening um and so you know i, I think this is something that uh needs to be looked at drive-through right so there's not a lot of drive-through today uh, harborside you know um is uh, recently opened up a dispensary out in the palm springs area with drive-through i think that's something that needs to be further explored and understood um you know considering covid considering all the things that are happening and allowing dispensaries to support customers as best they can in the in in the same way that traditional industries traditional you know um, operations do do you know uh today and what have you see, seen in terms of what products are have sold more or better recently? So there's certainly, you know, inhalation-related products certainly took a hit, you know, with uh, COVID being a respiratory ailment. Um, I, a lot of people backed off of that. Um, and so, you know, you, you, edibles absolutely saw a spike. I think people that had been maybe a little bit, um, you know, timid or, or apprehensive have now started to explore that. Um, you know, with our, you know, again, a big part of our responsibility here is what we call safe access, successful consumption. And we always say, you know, go low and, and, and go slow. Um, and I think people are now starting to, you know, be more willing, um, you know, tinctures, uh, topicals and other, you know, consumption methods are definitely, um, you know, seeing uh, an increase in activity. Um, you know, my, I, I always, you know, one of my secret shoppers, if you will, is, is my dad. And, you know, he's in his seventies is a medical card holder in the state of Florida. And he's an, you know, an ex uh, retail executive, retired retail executive. So he, I always go to him and ask, so tell me where you've been, you know, how was the experience? what did you do? So, you know, going back to your, your question on curbside. So he recently did his first curbside pickup. His transaction was two X what it normally would have been. So he, he thought about it, you know, kind of from a consumer perspective, maybe I should kind of um, stock up a little bit. You know, there was an increase in, in, in overall sales activity um, at the very beginning of COVID. Uh, you know, the dispensary saw some of the panic buying that was happening, you know, toilet paper being the, the kind of, you know, humor, humorous example of, of what was being bought up yeah. quickly. But cannabis saw the same thing. And, and so my father's transaction was actually $400 roughly. And I said, well, what would the average transaction have been? He said, 200. I said, and so talk to me about the psychology on that. And he said, well, it's because I just, it's, you know, I didn't know when I was going to get back there. I, you know, I want to, I want to make sure I have inventory, if you will. I said, okay, talk to me about the products you bought. And, and he had historically been using a vape pen. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he said there was no vape products at all. He went to sublinguals and tinctures. And so I was, I found that interesting. I think, I think that will, will swing back around maybe. Um, and I kind of hope it does to be honest, but I certainly know that with uh, COVID being a respiratory related ailment that people were really just trying to steer clear of anything that could exasperate that maybe or cause more issue, you know? I like the way your dad rolls, 400, dropping 400 bucks at a dispensary, <laughs> not even thinking about it. <laughs> I told him I hope you're part of the loyalty program over there. Jeez. 
That I want to go to a, a Q-Tone uh, family reunion, I think, now. That's, <laughs> that's on my bucket list. <laughs> it's a good time. It's a good time, I can promise you. Speaking of ordering and, you know, cart size and things like that, order totals, do you ever do you ever feel like there's too many things, too many products uh, overwhelming customers? I mean, you want choice, but then I call it the Chili's menu problem where, where you go to yeah. Chili's restaurant and they give you this yeah. book and I'm like, there's hundreds of options and permutations. I'm overwhelmed. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree 100%. I do. I believe today that this is an area of the industry where we need to see some consolidation. I think there are too many brands. I do believe it to be overwhelming. And it's a challenge not only for the consumer, but also for the operator, right? So, you, you know, aside from the consumer, and it's a great example what you say, like, uh, you know, Cheesecake Factory, right? Like, how, how can this one restaurant make so many meals successfully? And, and it is. It's overwhelming. And, and, um, and so – you know, and I also think it's a challenge for the operator in a way that, like, you know, their staff has to be up to speed and educated on all of these various brands. And how do they, um, you know, suggest all of those products or, you know, in an in a equitable way? Um, and then the other part is that the operators, you know, are, are trying to be profitable. Inventory is a huge expense and, and you want to be able to offer all of these various products. You just don't know what's going to work, what's going to be successful, what's going to resonate. And so you want to have a little bit of everything, but that can become expensive. And so, yeah, it's a challenge. You know, that's that's a big, big reason why we created our consultation is to kind of walk people down a path and, you know, and have that be conversational. You know, so we ask people various questions on what are their goals in consuming cannabis? And, and then we try to narrow that, you know, we integrate with the POS and inventory management system so we can pull live product availability and then they can throw that right into the shopping cart. And so, you know, this is an area where I, I think there's a lot of room for improvement. I think there's some great brands out there um, and I'm sure they'll succeed, but there needs to be some consolidation. I think it needs to be, um, you know, minimized to a degree to, to get people to be you know, more comfortable and, yeah. and uh, easier. Now, I know you, when you specialize in an industry like you do, you kind of develop these mental models of what's successful and what you've seen work. Do you kind of have a mental model in your mind of a, uh, of a retailer that's not doesn't have any displays at, at all, and then they come to you and they're like, well, I, I really don't even know what I don't know. And then sure. how, how do you orient them in terms of like, okay, this is what you need and this is the benefit you're going to see? One of the things that I think you're, we're seeing in the industry as a whole from a technology perspective, and so we're very fortunate to have a great partnership ecosystem. We partner with some great POS companies, Flow Hub and you know, Blaze and Trees, and um, and then we also partner with again, you know, non-cannabis, uh, non-competing cannabis technology. You know, I spoke of iHeart, Jane, and um, some of the loyalty programs, Spring Big, and etc. And so, you know, I think it's very important that uh, everybody take a very solution-based or consultative approach. Um, you know, we. We all have a responsibility in helping the operators of this industry as a whole be successful. Um, and so teaching them, uh, you know, your, your prospects or your interested parties and in, in what your technology can do to make them more successful is important. Um, you know, not selling, right? right? And really more so uh, educating them. Um, and so I'm finding that, uh, you know, right now it's, it's important. You know, this is a time where I think everybody, right, on a personal level, on a professional level is taking a bit of a step back. And kind of reassessing, um, and from a, from a business perspective, you know, how can I run my operation a little bit differently? How can I be um, more nimble? 
um, for the unknown, right? And, and things that are around the corner that we're not aware of. And so I, I highly suggest that operators, you know, take the time to learn about the different technology that's out there. You know, most of the companies that are out there today that we partner with have a great demo process. It's not a lot of your time. In a half hour, you're going to learn about what, what's out there and how you can introduce this to your operation and do it successfully. You know, you mentioned, you know, there's still a lot of, uh, you know, um, you know, dispensaries today that haven't introduced a lot of technology. And, and I think that's okay too. I think it has a lot to do with the brand experience, the consumer experience that you're trying to deliver. Um, we find in the upper Northwest and areas like, you know, Washington and Oregon, they're very hands-on. Um, they don't want a, a real technological vibe and that's okay. I think it's great, but I think it's important for the operator to at least take the time to understand what's out there, get the education, see where that will, you know, translate to profitability for them. Um, you know, you have a lot of different kinds of customers out there. Let's find a way to address all of them, uh, in a successful way The people that want to deal with a human being, uh, give them that capability. Just, you know, this, there needs to be a fine balance between the human element and the technological element of your, you know, your customer experience. And, um, you know, it's a little bit of a challenge to get there, but, you know, you really, you know, I, I tell everybody, you know, now, you know, take the time, you know, to learn about what's out there, see what works and fits for your operation. You know, for us, it's like self-service. You know, you said it at the top of this conversation, you know, self-service kiosks are becoming a lot more common and certainly in the mature marketplaces and there, and we're seeing it in cannabis, certainly. Um, so I, I encourage the operators, go through a demo, let us you know, educate you on what it is that we can do to help you. And if it's not a fit today, that's okay. But now you know, and maybe it, you know, it, 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 uh, it can be introduced at a later time when, 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 uh, when the timing is right. So you, you gave that example of your dad in the curbside pickup and how he felt like, hey, I want to stock up. But when, when people are doing the self-service orders in a dispensary where they're interacting with display and putting their order together prior to COVID-19, do you see a difference in basket size um, prior to the, to the stock up mentality? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, again, there's a lot of data out there that communicates that, you know, whether it's at your house and you're, you're ordering on Amazon or if it's inside of a retail environment where you're utilizing a self-service uh, device um, for the shopping process, that basket size is significantly larger. Um, one, it has to do with the psych- psychology of the buying process. So when you can shop at your own pace, you're going to you know um, you know view and, and and look at a lot of different products, and that increases the likelihood that those products will get into the basket. Beyond that, this is a technology platform, right? A, a responsibility that we have is to make sure that our customers are more profitable. So we can smartly position certain products. We can pair certain products up. Certain markets we can you know do, if you will, manager specials. Um, you know, I think we might have talked about this on our previous conversation, but you know, because of the sophistication of the seed technology platform, we can identify slow-moving inventory, and then you know, kind of in an automated way, create a manager special and slash it at fifty percent and get it into the basket. How do we turn that inventory into cash rather than having it sit on the shelf? So, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, we're seeing uh, a huge. Uh, increase on um, customers that are utilizing self-service order in the in the average transaction. Um, you know, minimally, we usually say it's around 10%. Um, and so the goal always is, you know, let's get X percent of your customers that come through your door to use your self-service devices. And we usually will find that, you know, there'll be a sales lift of, you know, X percent and, you know, very quickly they'll, they'll, they'll experience ROI. But yeah, it's very, you know, hey, listen, Amazon has done it very, very well. And, um, and we're taking kind of 
a very similar approach in some respects to getting the right products in front of the customers that um, that they're you know for the product they're looking for. Now the cannabis market in the U.S. is bifurcated between now mature markets, which you're in a mature market, and emerging markets that are just coming online. What states are you involved in, and how has it been different working in those different states? So we're active in every market today. We just recently penetrated the Puerto Rican market. Um, so slowly or shortly here, we'll be uh, we'll have the, the platform will also be in Spanish. But um, so it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, I'm sure you know a lot of the folks that you have on on the podcast would would uh, agree. It's a super challenging market, right? And so it's it's challenging in a lot of ways because it's emerging and it's young and it's evolving and it's changing on a daily basis. But it's also on a state-by-state basis, every single market's different. And, you know, that creates its own unique challenges, one from a compliance perspective and et cetera. Um, we're agnostic. So we can be in any state. We can be in any market. doesn't matter what it is, if it's medical, if it's recreational, emerging, mature, it's fine. You know, we, we, we have um, a platform that's configurable, um, you know, so – you know, our, the platform is completely branded for the dispensary itself. We can introduce vernacular. We can eliminate vernacular. We can make it so that it adjusts appropriately for that market. Um, so we're we're everywhere today, which is great. Um, certainly, we, we focus more heavily on certain markets. Um, you know, and when it's when it's emerging markets, they they're much more interested in the education because they have new you know people coming in to be introduced to cannabis for the first time. In mature markets, it's much more about self service and operational efficiencies and how do you help me service more customers much faster and how do we increase that basket size? And so, you know, the messaging is much more focused in that respect for those kinds of markets. But fortunately, uh, you know, we're we're, we're pretty much everywhere and so you know um it's uh one of the benefits is in really when we built this platform we wanted to be agnostic we wanted to be able to service you know any and all dispensaries no matter where they're located in in, in the united states i don't know if you mentioned this but if you're going through the self-service checkout and you're adding things to your cart would seed display act in conjunction with let's say flow hub to recognize that something sold out and not even show it to a prospective customer. Yeah, absolutely. So you got to be very careful about those things because, you know, again, we've taken, you know, we got years of experience of really understanding the psycholo- psychology of the buying process. What we don't want to do is, um, you know, create anything that would be negative. So as soon as inventory levels hit a hit a unit count of five or less, we eliminate it from the menu. So that's again automated. You know, everything that we do as best we can today with, you know, some respective limitations is, is automated, right? So we're always looking to provide a platform that doesn't create additional work for the dispensary. We want to actually make their lives easier. Um, so yeah, as soon as the unit count hits five or less, uh, we, it, in an automated way, it, it eliminates so that that's not even there for them to browse or shop any longer. Oh, that's good. Well, Matt, I like to ask a few personal development questions, and since you've been on the show before, I've come up with a few new ones. So, I noticed. <laughs> what is one change that came out of COVID nineteen that is a net positive for you? Um, yeah, I'm very fortunate that I've got you know a, a beautiful and wonderful family. You know, throughout this this unique period that we've all been going through. It's been a, an opportunity to spend time with my wife and my three kids in an unstructured 
kind of way. Um, you know, typically we're running in 50 different directions. We've got all kinds of things going on in the weekend and sports and obligations. And yeah, of course the kids would have school, but you know, it's been, it's been unique in a way that, you know, we didn't have some of those weekend obligations. We can spend time together as a family and, you know, and I, 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 I let those things resonate with me. I think those are, you know, moments, um, developmental opportunities and moments that, you know, kind of help you hit that reset button. And then I allow that to translate into the business side of things. Uh, you know, throughout COVID, we were going through all the same challenges that every other business was. This uncertainty. What's you know, what's what's this going to mean? And and so, I've always treated my employees and my company and everybody here like family. You know, and and uh, and and communicating on a consistent and, and a regular basis. You know, to try to lead us through this has been something that um, has been a real net positive. And you know, so you know that that you know, kind of looking at both the professional and the personal uh, side of things, and and really understanding how important my family is, and whether they're you know, again, employees of Seed Technology or or they actually have the last name Catone is you know, kind of treating them all the same. It's been a real net positive for me. What is one skill that you have as an entrepreneur that you feel like is super important but wasn't taught in school? Yeah, and and, and so like I you know just said you know I, you know an entrepreneur is being an entrepreneur what comes with it is a lot of risk and with those risks come stress and so the management of that stress is something that today you know again I've been out of school for quite some time so maybe they've introduced this into the curriculum but I I really don't think so is the management of that stress and, and maintaining balance. You know, um, being an entrepreneur, there's going to be days that you're actually, you know, you're absolutely knocking out of the park. You're, you're killing every little thing that's in front of you and you're, and you're crushing it. And then there's the days you just can't get a win. Um, that's a reality. Um, and how do you manage that and how do you deal with that? And for me, you know, there's been days where I'm like, man, I'm just getting my own butt kicked all day long here. And, you know, and, the, and there's been times where I've said, well, you know what, why don't I, it's been four or five o'clock, so I'll pack it up, call it a day and I'll go home and I might just throw the baseball with my son for a little while. It's a great way to feel like, um, you know, I've been productive, um, again, maybe more so on a personal level, but it's a way for me to, uh, kind of meditatively, you know, just toss the baseball with him for a little while and, and, um, relax and breathe a bit. But I think stress is, uh, is something that's real, you know, if for any entrepreneur without a doubt. And I think, you know, teaching, you know, somewhere within the curriculum, I think there's an opportunity to teach people to understand how to maintain some balance and how to manage that stress. Cause it's a, it's a key component of success. Uh, if you can't manage that stress, you're, I don't know if you're going to be around for it. And you strike me as a big cotton candy guy, but you tell me what's your favorite comfort food. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. I never heard that description before. Um, it's funny. I hate cotton candy. I, I was like teasing. So I, it's just like a fluffy kind of like whimsical. I didn't see it. That's how so I was teasing. Funny. Yeah, no, I know. Um, it's pizza. It's pizza. pizza. It's a go. Okay. Yeah, it's a, I, you know. Again, I, I could. It could be breakfast, lunch, or dinner for me. Hot, cold. I don't care. You know, they always say there's no such thing as bad pizza, and I would agree with that. And so that's a big comfort food for me, without a doubt. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, Matt, as we close, tell listeners how they can find out more about seed displays. Maybe see a demo or get some ideas on how they can put something like this in their retail environment. Sure. Uh, so I always like to offer up uh, my direct contact information. I'm always looking to make friends and be of assistance and, and be helpful in any way I can. And so my my email address is Catone, C is in cat, U-T-O-N-E, at getseed.io. Or you can go to the website, which is uh, getseed.io. 
Io, um, and uh, certainly uh, take the opportunity to lo- learn a little bit more about the platform, or um, you can go ahead and schedule a demo right there on the on the website. So uh, yeah, we'd be happy to help Great. help you understand how to you know run a more profitable operation without a doubt. Well, thanks for coming on again and educating us. This is really interesting times. It's cool to see how you're adapting and how you're helping retailers adapt. So all the best to you in the rest of 2020. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, Matt, and I wish you the best too. If you enjoyed the show today, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever app you might be using to listen to the show. Every five-star review helps us to bring the best guest to you. Learn more at canninsider.com forward slash iTunes. What are the five disruptive trends that will impact the cannabis industry in the next five years? Find out with your free report at canninsider.com forward slash trends. Have a suggestion for an awesome guest on Canna Insider? Simply send us an email at feedback at cannainsider.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please do not take any information from Canna Insider or its guests as medical advice. Contact your licensed physician before taking cannabis or using it for medical treatments. Promotional consideration may be provided by select guests, advertisers, or companies featured in Canna Insider. Lastly, the host or guests on Canna Insider may or may not invest in the companies or entrepreneurs profiled on the show. Please consult your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Final disclosure to see if you're still paying attention. This little whistle jingle you're listening to will get stuck in your head for the rest of the day. <laughs> Thanks for listening and look for another Canna Insider episode soon. Take care. Bye-bye.